on today's edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. It is an edition of State of the Cats with David Dwork. On today's show, we are going to be discussing where the Florida Panthers are through 23 games. And we're going to have our special goalie segment as well with David being on the show. We're going to discuss that all here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into this Thursday, December 1st edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. I'm Armando Velez, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mondoman12. Follow the show account on Twitter at LO underscore FLA Panthers. Don't forget to also subscribe to the other shows on the Locked On NHL Network, including Locked On NHL, Locked On Fantasy Hockey with Flip Livingstone and Steel Roden, and Locked On NHL Prospects. And don't forget to also send in your screenshot of your subscription to the Locked On Florida Panthers YouTube channel and your five-star rating of Locked On Panthers on whichever podcast app you listen to Locked On Panthers and send it over to me on Twitter at LO underscore FLA Panthers or you can email it to me at LockedOnFLAPanthers at gmail.com to win two free tickets to the Florida Panthers game versus the New Jersey Devils on December 21st. So, uh, Panthers fans, the the Cats, they have it's it's an off day for for the Panthers a, a a good time for the Panthers to decompress after a little bit of a losing streak that they're on. But it's also a little bit of time for us to kind of decompress a little bit and kind of take a step back and look at the full view of the Panthers through twenty three games. And of course, there's fifty plus remaining for the, this team as well. And this would be a good time for me to bring in my guest on the show of course of course this is this is a series on the lockdown florida panthers podcast where we bring in one of the people who are there on the daily it's an addition another edition of state of the cats and i like to welcome in from wplg local 10 in south florida and the chirping the cats podcast david dork david welcome back to the show mondo good to see you man it's great to see you too. Uh, but let's go, let's go, let's go right into it and talk about this uh, Florida Panthers team. Of course, mentioned at the top three game losing streak at, at this uh, point point in time. Two of them being uh, with blown leads, even though with 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 their game against Edmonton, we saw how the Spencer Knight was really the the one that helped helped the Panthers earn that one point for 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 the Cats. But as far as like the first 23 games for for the Panthers, we saw the issues on not scoring on the power play. The decor was actually playing real well uh, through through the through the first 10 or 15 games. But then as the power play is going, uh, more issues arise as like odd man rushes and of course injuries as well. Untimely goaltending by Sergei Bobrovsky. What is what what is your full picture view on the first 23 games of the season? I mean, it's kind of a hodgepodge. You touched on a lot of the issues that they've had. There hasn't been 
one particular thing, whether it's been, you know, the power play, whether they've had the injury issues uh, where they, you know, they had to dress 19 guys a couple of times already this year. Uh, it, it's just been kind of a mixed bag. You've had obviously a new coaching staff implementing a new system, a new style of play that the team has been adjusting to. Uh, I, I think it's just like a compound of all these different things. And uh, I mean, you see the results on the ice. Fortunately for the Panthers, they have an uh, exceptional amount of talent and skill on this roster. That's kind of allowing them to at least maintain, keep their heads somewhat above water. Obviously not so much the last few games. They've struggled a, a bit more. Um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, uh, they're just kind of banking on everything settling in the second half of the year. Uh, obviously, they're going to have to do some juggling with the cap when Anthony Duclair comes back. But ideally, once this team is fully healthy and cap compliant, uh, by the time you get in towards the uh, the spring, uh, you get passed through the All-Star and past the trade deadline and all that. That's, I think, when the idea is that this team will have been good enough to keep them at a playoff uh, team level. And at that point, rounding the corner and getting to be what they envision this team to be, which is a better playoff team. We've seen bits and pieces of it to this point. Obviously, they've got a ways to go to be where I think the coaching staff wants them to be. But uh, it's, you know, it's December. What? It's not even December yet. It's the 30th or, you know, it's about to be December 1st. Um, there's a lot of the season left to go. While, yeah, it hasn't been great. I, I'm not hitting the panic button just yet. Uh, let's give it some time. Let's give it another 20 games or so. Let's let guys get healthy. Let's see what happens when Duke comes back. And, uh, you know, this team has had a little bit longer to figure things out under Paul Maurice. Uh, but yeah, it hasn't been ideal to this point. Uh, like, but like I said, it's just not quite time to hit the panic button in my opinion. And, and of course you and I are online on Twitter and we, of course, with our line of work, we put, we, we of course do score updates. We say our opinions on, on the team. Of course you, you do your articles. I do, I do my uh, podcast, but of course that comes with reactions from fans and of course, there's been a lot of noise about how opinions on on the on the head coach as well, and Paul Maurice, and kind of let's kind of go over the 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 hire because I'm 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 also willing to be very patient with with Paul Maurice as well. I'm I'm not hitting the panic button as well, but kind of go kind of give a little perspective on let's say all the personnel moves as far as the roster, the team. We're still the same, but Andrew Burnett, we're here. How do you? How would you have forecasted this 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 team? I think if Bruno was still here, you would have seen kind of a continuation of what you saw last year, uh, and that was you know more of a high octane offense, more of a free flowing through the neutral zone, uh, and and that kind of led to you know the, the odd man rushes either way. It wasn't quite as strict discipline as you see from a lot of teams nowadays. I mean, as soon as the puck possession of the puck turns over uh, a lot of teams are already getting back into their well you know what you see a lot is the one one three uh or but the active winger going back and there's always three guys facing up the panthers you've seen them do that a lot as well um it's just you know it's more responsible hockey it's a little bit more controllable uh, particularly when you have a team like the panthers that's going to possess the puck more than your opponent um and i think it's just the difference in ideologies when you talk about the difference in coaching staffs and from bruno to uh to paul maurice uh, it's something that, you know, I wouldn't put blame or any, you know, whatever you want to call it on the coaching staff, because they're just, whether it was Bruno or whether it's Paul, they're doing what they're supposed to do, what they were hired to do. I think, you know, it's, this is what management wanted. They wanted the Panthers to shift to this style of play. And it's, you know, it's an adjustment, obviously it's not as fun or exciting in some people's opinions as last season was, 
Um, but but again, as I said before, the, the goal is to be a better team come playoff time, to be a, a more responsible team that's still, f- uh, still roster full of talent, still a roster full of guys that can pump the puck in the net. Um, so I think the concept is when you've got so many guys that are so offensively skilled as the Panthers do, whether it's on their forward ranks or on their D, uh, if they can play a more responsible brand of hockey, that sounds like a winning combination, which is, I think, where all this you know, change came from and uh, what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, and then when we and then the few the the times that we've listened to Paul Maurice about not really worrying about the the playoff picture as well when looking at it, and then he always talks about in in the pressers. From what I've noticed is is him saying, "Oh, but if we happen to uh, qual- qualify for the playoffs, uh, do you do you see it as like an approach of like?" Uh, is it because do you see as an approach of like um 82 one game seasons as something that's something really like Jeff Merrick uh kind of has kind of said on uh Sportsnet do you see it kind of like that well I I think you know you have to kind of look at it from a game to game perspective especially this early in the season uh and, and in terms of like what Paul Maurice says is you know if as opposed to when we make the playoffs I think that's more of you know maybe recognizing where you are right now like right now they're not in a playoff spot uh, they're not performing like a playoff team should. And, you know, there's no reason to, you know, to pump a little bit of extra life when there's not really necessary. You, you be honest, you assess the team, how it is. And uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. It's, it's an interesting year in the Eastern conference and that, you know, the, the playoffs are going to be tough to get in. Um, but yeah, it, it's just with Paul Maurice, you know, I, I, I know, I think what you're going to get to with just some of the, the, commentary that you see on social media a lot of the uh complaint i don't want to say i don't know criticisms i guess and it's what something that i've noticed as well it just in terms of he's a guy that you, he, he didn't seem like he's ever going to be someone to throw a player under the bus he's never going to be a guy that's going to you know really th- throw his team to it in terms of the way that like a john tortorella might do uh in a, in a press conference after a game like he's never going to be that guy um, and, and, you know, even, you know, with Joel Quenville, he wasn't, he wasn't that guy either, but with Q, he had ways of, you know, he would call a guy ordinary or he would, he had ways to, to criticize without criticizing. Whereas with Paul Maurice, um, I mean, there's just a lot of excuses, excuses, and not a lot of blame. And I think he's just being protective of his team, but I don't think that's something that fans want to hear. They, you know, and it's, I don't think it's realistic either. Like, I don't think the complaints that you hear from fans are are realistic in terms of like what you're supposed to demand of coaches or what you would expect them to say or not say. Um, but I think it's a necessary in terms of they wanted a veteran head coach to come in here and to keep things chill, uh, through a season that was going to be expectedly tumultuous. And I think that's what Paul Maurice is doing. I, he might not be the guy that's going to kick you in the ass. And maybe that's what fans would like to see right now. Um, but I think it's way too early 20 ish games into a season to start saying this was right or wrong or anything like that. I think you got to give everything, no matter what it is, it's due time to mature and to see how things are going to play out. Uh, but I think there's, understandable frustration for the way the season has started. And I mean, you know, at one point you lose your best defenseman, one of the best in the league for an extended period of time. Right now you've missed uh, your best player, one of the best in the league for, you know, a short period of time for now, but you know, we don't know what's happening uh, with Sasha Barkov. Hopefully he'll be in the lineup the next scene, but we have no idea at this point. Um, But either way, there's just been 
no shortage of speed bumps in the road. And, in, in, you know, aside from the injury stuff, there's been the power play issues. There's been the goaltending dips and ups and downs. And uh, it's it has not been an easy early season. So the frustrations are understandable. It's just, I think, a bit knee jerky to start saying the whole thing's a wash and, and it's got to be blown all up again. I think there's way too many really good components to this team to just to be willing to give up on it so easily. Yeah, and and even even though people might not want to hear this of be, beating the dead horse of the the buyout of Keith Yandel, having to sign players to one year deals about one million uh, or or even less, like a Mark Stahl, Eric Stahl as well, so or or a Nick Cousins as as well. So it's it, it's it's trying to work with what they got, and then of course when when you actually play the season and see the results or or lack thereof. Uh, it, it's it's kind of a di- it's kind of different when uh, when when we see the, the team definitely uh, going through it. But we're going to transition to segment number two, where we're going to have our special goal goalie segment because we have the goalie David Dork here. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about the goalie situation in Florida and maybe just goaltending around the NHL in general. So uh, stay right here. But first, we're gonna tell you all about Bet Online. And BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball, soccer, and esports. You've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find these at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to getting your betting fix. Head to the website today or use a mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Back on this second segment here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast on this State of the Cats edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. I got David Dwork from WPLG Local 10 in South Florida and the Chirping the Cats podcast here on the show. So, David, uh, this uh, show for us has been in the works for like about a, a week now. And, of course, goalie segment every single time you're you're here. And a week ago, I would have been probably asking you uh what what are the chances of spencer knight being the new number one for for the panthers but it's crazy how much uh can change in a week and just based on the performance of sergey borowski it's it's not my question is not really when does he become the number one because i really do think he is right now it's but my question to you is how much do you think the splits will now be in favor of spencer knight I think it's very fluid to this point, to be honest with you, Mondo. I think right now we're in a situation where they want to give Spencer the reins. Spencer's played well, so we've seen him get a few more starts. And obviously Bob has struggled his last couple of starts out there. But I think if, you know, Sergey Borovsky goes out there and has two good starts in a row, suddenly he'll be the guy, just as it was early in the season, getting maybe, you know, two out of every three starts or the majority of the starts in that way. I think until somebody goes out there and just has like five or six straight good games, which we haven't really seen either of these goalies do since Bob had that nice stretch late last season. But aside from that, neither of these goalies has had any kind of stretch like that in the last few years. So I, I think until somebody really takes the reins and runs with it, uh, it's going to be something where we see both guys getting a, a pretty healthy split, which again is fine uh, as long as nobody's becoming that guy. Bob played amazingly Last year, progressively, as the year went on, started off good, went, got better and better. Pete, right when the playoffs were there, he was probably, as I've said, their most consistent player in the postseason, uh, despite the way everything went down. Spencer Knight, he's looked 
has had moments where he's looked better than he has in his entire career this year. It's just the consistency is there. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to take time. I mean, what Spencer Knight, he's still so young. He's what 21, 22. I don't know if he's had his 22nd birthday yet. Um, but he's still so young. The fact that he's got all these NHL games under his belt at a young age, he's going, it's going to be kind of like Sasha Barkov where you look at his age and you're like, Holy crap, this guy's so young. And he's been in the league. It feels like forever. Like Aaron Ekblad, he's been in the league for almost 10 years and he's Hard still in his mid. What's that? Hard to believe. Yeah. And he's still in his mid twenties. So, you know, it's Spencer Knight. I think right now it's just a matter of compiling that experience, learning the lessons, getting comfortable in a game situation because the consistency, especially with the goaltender is so hard to get right in the NHL. We've heard, you know, Roberto Luongo for all the, uh, the attention that he's gotten recently for going into the hall of fame. Something he's talked a lot about is just that consistency going out there playing, you know, at points in his career, he played 70 plus games multiple times and being able to go out there and be amazing night in and night out. It's something he learned from a young age from that experience. Something that I think Spencer Knight is seriously benefiting from right now. But in the terms of this season right now for the Panthers, not Spencer Knight's development for, for the team itself, it's going to be a bit of a struggle for them to get one of these guys going, I think, unless Bob can pick things up where he did uh, similarly to the way he did last year. I haven't really seen it this year. Could it be because he isn't starting as often? Maybe. Uh, it could be. He hasn't been in the situation uh, over a big turn of time with the Panthers. There were times when Chris Dreeder was here where Dreeder had a nice little string of starts, but then he got injured. Uh, I believe this was... 1920 season. Um, but just in terms of like Bob's tenure with the Panthers. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But I think right now the message that I've gotten from the coaching staff is they want to go with the hot hand, whoever that is. It seems like they'd like it to be Spencer Knight. They'd like to see him take that next step to this point. We haven't seen that he's ready to do that just yet. He's shown flashes of greatness, but flashes of greatness is not starting NHL goalie caliber. He can get there and he will get there, uh, but he's not there right now. Yeah. And, 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 and I, and I was thinking that when, when he did first sign that bridge deal, I was thinking, okay, maybe year, year one or year two of that new deal, which kicks in next year would be that time to start tilting a little bit. And I'm just looking at the, not, I'm just looking at the gaps between Bob's uh, start. I have it right in front of in front of me. Uh, even the last five games be between like November 29th and his previous one was against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, and then, and then the game against Washington, which he seems to, he seems to play well against Washington, uh, which he was the reason why the Panthers won that game on November 15th. And then the previous one before that, 10 days before, do you also think it's a, do you also think it's a matter of, uh, of too much time off for Bobrovsky as well? Yeah, you know, like I, like I was just saying, like I, it's something that we haven't seen him uh, have to endure when he's since he's been with the Ben really, when he was with Columbus as well. I mean, he probably hasn't had this kind of non-startership, this kind of timeshare in his career to this point. I mean, maybe in the early days in Philadelphia, I, I would have to double check back then, but it, it seems like this probably hasn't had this a while. When he's been healthy to be sitting on the bench like that, that that's something that goalies are not used to doing. I mean, as we were just saying with Spencer Knight. It's very much a repetition, a routine, getting into these continuous it's game in, game out, day in, day out. All these routines, goalies are very much worked like that. And Bob, you know, he's universally known for his work ethic. So could it be something that could impact his play? Missing, you know, sitting on the bench for so much more than he's used to? Yeah, it could. Absolutely. Is it? I, I don't know. Uh, Bob, to, you know, 
knowing him, he's, he's very in his head guy. He's a very thought meticulous mental guy. So having that time to just sit there on the bench with, you know, alone with his thoughts, who knows? Um, but could it be something that is impacting him? Yeah, absolutely. It could. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, this next question is going to be uh, mostly for mostly around goaltending in general around the, around the league. Um, recently we've been seeing a lot of times where referees have been taking a little bit long to blow their whistles when uh, the goalie's mass has come off. We've seen that with Spencer Knight just a few days ago. I think it happened with Connor Hellebuck as, as well uh, sometime last week. Uh, what What's your concern, if you have any, uh, for uh, goalie safety right now in the NHL? Well, I, in this specific situation, I have serious concern for goalie safety. I think at any time when a goalie's helmet comes off, no matter what's going on in the play, uh, the whistle needs to be blown. Now, if the ref or the linesman or somebody sees the, the goalie do that in an intentional manner to get the whistle blown, then you call a penalty and you make, you know, you make sure that there's a consequence for that action. But in terms of a safety issue, as soon as a, as soon as they let a whistle, a play go on and some goalie gets hit in the face with a puck or with a stick or with something, and that happens on live television and it's done it all over social media. Like th- the rule will change immediately. And it, what bothers me is it's going to take the happening for it to change for something to be different because clearly they're fine way it is now, which is so wrong. I mean, we saw what happened with Spencer Knight the other night. He, there was a shot that went high. I, it hit him. I think up here, I think he said he got it with his blocker uh, right around his shoulder area. But I mean, that's a foot away from his face. That's it's just common sense to me. And I, and if they, if they're worried about goalies, stop, you know, doing it on purpose, then make it a major penalty, you know, make it reviewable. Do if you're that worried about, you know, goalie, that's gotta be the only issue. Right. So you've got to cover it up on, on the back end because you cannot make safety an issue. It It's just, it's such a black and white thing for me. It's such a clear as day type deal, like <clears throat> frozen pucks. Shot harder than ever before in league history. The goalie not wearing a mask. Like, common sense. The wor- like, worst case scenario, what could happen? I, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I, it bothers me that it's going to take that something bad happening for, for them to get this right. But I, that's my fear right now, man. And, and it's, it sucks. Yeah, and, and we also think about like quality of life after after the fact of they play, and then one shot could change. Uh, one shot to the face without a mask could definitely uh, could definitely uh, change uh, their life even outside of it. Uh, last question on uh, goaltending, uh, and we've also seen uh, situations where the the goalies are hu- hugging the post, and then they get it with their skate, and then knocks off the knocks off the the goal. Uh, where do you, how do you usually, how do you usually make, as far as judgment, how do you usually determine whether a goalie is trying to do it on purpose uh, to knock the net off versus not? <laughs> I don't think that it's, unless it's really apparent when, in terms of like what you're talking about, a play where a goalie has a skate and his leg up against the post and is pushing off and the net's coming off the morning, unless it's really blatantly clear that he's like, pushing kicking his leg off like it's not a penalty like it's part of the game it's part of what a goaltender has been doing it's if you want to make the net a little bit harder to get off that's fine they have these like i guess maybe eight inch rubber things 
that goes halfway into the ice and halfway sticks into the net, uh, up goes you know up the inside of the post, and that's basically what it has to keep it in play. Which, uh, you know, granted, these goalies are stronger now; it, they're pushing a little harder. But I would say just increase that by a couple of inches and make it harder because the point is you don't want it to be stuck in place. If a guy's coming in, you know, sets 50, 60 miles per hour head on with the net, you want the net to come off. You don't want the guy to get his head taken off by the net, which is what happened back in the day when they used to kind of lock him in place. That's why they have these moorings uh, built in the way they do now. Uh, So if this is an issue, you know, make them a little bit bigger. So that way it's a little bit harder for the net to come off, but it's still going to give when it needs to, when somebody runs into it or when there's a dangerous situation happening. But this to me, again, it seems like an easy fix. You can just make the moorings a little bit longer. You know, you can drill the hole another inch into the ice and it can go another inch up into the goal. And then boom, it's not going to come off as easily when a, when a goalie's putting pressure on it, when he's playing his position, pushing off as goaltenders have been doing for years and years and years. Uh, and instead, just adjust the equipment, make it easier. And it will be something that nobody sees. It just seems like a quick, an easy fix to me. Mm-hmm. De- definitely, definitely some great perspective uh, there on on uh, on how to fix that issue. And hopefully uh, the NHL listens, uh, listens to uh, more goalies, whether they play in the NHL or beer league or 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 any or any which uh, league. So to, to make this uh, a thing, a thing of the past, hopefully. But we're going to transition over to segment number three, where we're going to look uh look a little little ahead uh for for the panthers uh we're gonna discuss of course uh, a player possibly coming back late later in the month or later uh next month and of course uh talk about the rest of this road trip for the panthers so we're gonna discuss that next here on the locked on florida panthers podcast third and final segment here on the locked on florida panthers podcast it is a state of the cats edition of the show where I have David Dwork here from WPLG Local 10 in South Florida and the Chirping the Cats podcast here. So, uh, David, we were, of course, uh, texting last week based on speculation on what kind of trade could be facilitated with uh, with Anthony Duclair coming back. Of course, they don't they only have around 200,000 of cap space right now, of course. Alexi Hepaniemi has been able to join the Florida Panthers on an emergency basis with Sasha Barkov out right now. But when Anthony Duclair does come back, uh, a trade does need to happen. And no, uh, there is a there's reports from multiple multiple national reporters, uh, Frank Saravelli and Elliot Freeman, discussing that it's not going to be Patrick Hornquist uh, for 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 the Panthers more than likely. And was talking about a little last week about how how just listening to him mic'd up on the bench, I could see how much energy this guy brings to the table and how important he is uh, to the team. Uh, I, I want to get your thoughts on Anthony Duclair's return and 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 uh, and what you think uh, of Patrick Hornquist possibly staying with this team. Yeah, I mean, first, when it, when it comes to Duke coming back, I, I think that's kind of the big question that not only you know, us on the media side of it, but I think also in the front office, like that, they don't have like a set plan for what happens when Duke comes back, just because, I mean, obviously there's so many different things that could happen between now and then between, you know, potentially players getting hurt or deals coming about. You'd never know when you might get a call from another GM looking to do something. Um, But to my understanding, there's kind of several 
plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D type situations that they're going to work as it gets closer to see what they're doing. I saw the same reports you did that Patrick Hornquist uh, was not going to be traded, was told he was not going to be traded. Um, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, just in terms of what you were saying, his importance to the team. I mean, we've known since day one, he was such a big such a big part of the culture shift that happened a couple of years ago when the Panthers kind of first became changed from a team that you hoped would be in the playoff hunt to one that you expected to be in the playoffs and then some, which has only been the last couple of years. So, I mean, Patrick Hornquist West has been instrumental to this team. They, they love him in the dressing room. He's a great guy on and off the ice. I wouldn't be surprised at all if once his contract expires at the end of this year, uh, there would be some attempts to keep him around, obviously at a lower rate, uh, more, uh, reasonable to what he's doing right these days, which he may be susceptible to considering it's so late in his career. He really likes it down here. His family likes it down here. Um, so, you know, just thinking in terms of big picture, wouldn't surprise me at all next summer if that's something that we hear uh, brought up uh, when the appropriate time comes. But in, in the meantime, uh, Horn, Horny sticking around, uh, you know, that option coming off the table in terms of a move the Panthers to potentially make to clear up that space for Anthony Duclair. Uh, it, it limits them uh, considerably because they're going to have, you got to do something. Anthony declares a guy who could slot right onto your top line, get into that right wing with Barkov and Verhage. And we've seen what that line can do. I think, you know, and obviously so much can change, but I think if you've got that going as your top line, you've got this uh, Bennett line with, uh, was it uh, 13 and 19 on either wing has looked pretty solid. Uh, they've got 15 and 27 looking good together. I, I'm sorry, I'm just spinning out numbers at you guys. You don't have to look at your roster. This is just, it's just easier, quicker for me to think this way. Um, but yeah, it's it's something that I'm, Mondo, very curious myself about just because I know that there's going to be some serious juggling that's going to have to be done. To this point, there hasn't been any kind of concrete news whatsoever to come out in terms of like what they might be thinking to do if they want to try to trade guys, if they want to try to get guys through waivers and see if anybody gets picked up and they lose their deal that way. Uh, there's different things that's going to happen. Hopefully no other injuries. You don't want to have to make a decision based on another injury, another guy going out in that regard. But again, there's just so many, it's impossible to predict what may or may not happen between now. And when they're looking at Duclair coming back, which I think they're looking at um, around all-star give or take, um, you know, the early timetable was like January, February. I think that's still pretty much their target. Uh, we've seen Duke a lot around the rink both at training camp and since the season started, he got his boot off a while ago. He got it off before training camp started. I believe it was like a week or two before that. I haven't seen him with it at all uh, since camp started. He's been walking. He's been, he's posting videos of himself getting workouts. And I think he posted one the other day of him like pushing a golf cart or something. Yeah. So he's definitely gearing up. He's been around the rink a lot. Something that Paul Maurice told us has been by design just because, you know, keeping him involved in what the team is doing and in their meetings, not, not their game day meetings, but into their practice meetings and their special teams and really being involved in that regard. And just because he's such a great guy to have around the rink and the Panthers, we, as we know, we've discussed, they've got such a great room. Um, so it's just, he's always around. Um, and yeah, it's just going to be very interesting to see how it plays out in terms of what they do to get him back in there. Cause as soon as he's healthy uh, and, based on the way the team has played and the way that, you know, they might be coveting wins a little bit more than they were hoping to in the second half of the season, it might be very, uh, very important for them to get him in the lineup sooner rather than later. So there's a lot, a lot to see how it plays out over the next few months. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, my expectations aren't necessarily too high because it's so hard to come back from that type of injury because of how your first step is going to be. But but then but then when you but then when you mentioned how he how well he's played with Sasha Barkov as well and and of course uh 13 and 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 19 for for the the Panthers uh Bennett and Kachuk being there, but it also it also helps the bottom six as well. So you're not consistently shifting other other players as well. And that's what I think that Anthony Duclair's just presence in the lineup really helps with with this team. So you don't you don't you can you can also have a Colin White. The, the Colin White's another guy that I think about early on. I was thinking, okay, he could be uh, placed on the top line with uh, Sasha Markov. Him and Lundell. That line got off to a really great start. Of course, uh, of course. Now all of all of us have seen how Rhino and uh, Lundell have. Uh, have have fared uh together last season and even this this season but also i think also a player like colin white benefits from uh anthony duclair's uh return as well yeah it's the trickle down effect it's it makes your butt the better your top half is the better player is gonna have to go down to your bottom six and that's why the panthers being such a rich team in terms of the talent they have in their forward ranks uh just getting duclair back it's just kind of adds to that wealth uh but i mean in terms of like where guys shift i the Panthers are very fortunate. They've got guys that you really consider dynamic players that could be all throughout their top six. I mean, obviously Barkov and Kitschuk, I, you know, Sam Bennett uh, has been up and down, but certainly a solid top six center. But when you got guys like Reinhardt and when you got guys like uh, Kitschuk, Duclair, if he comes back as, as expected, which you kind of alluded to it, uh, an Achilles injury, you never quite know. And a guy like Kitschuk, or excuse me, a guy like Duclair, who is so, his game is based on his speed element. Like that's really his bread and butter. And, you know, great. He's a super fast guy. He's got great attributes. But when you think of Anthony Duclair, the first thing you think of is speed. So you, we're going to have to take, keep an eye on see, does this injury hinder that in any way whatsoever? It wasn't that long ago that we saw a speedy, young, top six, not a winger, but a center in Vincent Trocek, uh, who was an amazing, amazing player, was on this great ascension two bad ankle injuries and back-to-back years. And suddenly he wasn't the same guy he used to be. He didn't have that speed burst anymore. Um, Still a very good player, but not quite that what we thought he was ascending to be at that time when he first uh, had those injuries. Uh, So hopefully Duclair uh, recovers for hundred percent. He gets back to being the player he was, but you know, you touched on it. I think that's something we're definitely going to be keeping an eye on once he gets back on the ice. Yeah, that's for sure. And uh, final, final question for, for you. Um, so far on, on this road trip for the Panthers, uh, one out of a possible four uh, points for this team. We've seen blown leads in back-to-back uh, games uh, on against St. Louis and against Edmonton. How are, how are you how are you seeing the rest of this road trip? Because at at this point of the season, nothing nothing is guaranteed. Last season, you could look at a Panthers matchup against the opposition and say, okay, there there's two points that and. But but now but now it, it it's changed. Uh, how how do you see how do you see the rest of this road trip for 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 this team? I mean, there's nowhere to go but up, right? <laughs> the way it started, uh, there's a couple really rough really rough losses in Alberta, and it's really not going to get much easier. I, Vancouver um, tomorrow you know, on Thursday night, probably hopefully going to be the game that they can maybe get back into it a little bit. Um, I'm not sure. Is Vancouver playing? No, they're not playing tonight. They played last night. Um, but yeah, that probably going to be the easiest game they have, easiest game that they have on this road trip. Because after that is Seattle, who's been surprisingly 
really pretty good this yeah. season. They're in the, they're a playoff team. I think they just played last night, this ridiculous game against the Kings where they won like nine to eight in right. overtime. But uh, Seattle is no pusher. They, I mean, what Seattle beat the Panthers twice last season when they weren't exactly a great team this year, Seattle looks much more formidable. So that's not going to be easy. And then you wrap the trip up in Winnipeg. Winnipeg has been really good this year too, especially at home where it's always a tough place to play. So this road trip could really kick the Panthers ass a little bit, but it's a great opportunity the way that they kind of fell on their face a little bit in Alberta to pick themselves up, finish this road trip strong to really give you something to build on. So, you know, in terms of scariness, yeah, this is not going to be easy, but it's a great opportunity for them. And it's a good team. It's a team full of talent, even with or without Barkov, you've still got tons of good players on this team. No reason to think they can't win games against any team in this league. Uh, so, you know, every game's an opportunity. We'll see how they do, but rough start, rough start. Yeah. And, uh, Sometimes uh, big, big stretches of losses can really put you out of the playoff picture. But I think what's really uh, saving the, the the Panthers right now, uh, I think I think I think I think the parity as well uh, in in the Atlantic Division, it, it, and even even in the because they're in a wild card spot right now. I think that's also a good a good. Uh, I, I think that's also a reason why the Panthers are still very much in it, and they still have a chance to really recover as well, despite the 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 rough start to the road trip and and you did um we didn't even mention how Winnipeg Paul Maurice's uh, former team is just uh there it's looking like that new voice in a uh, Rick Bonus is uh is definitely uh helping him out and and Connor Hellebuck he's looking like a a Vesna Trophy winner again I mean maybe in a few years uh maybe in a few years Spencer Knight will be uh, challenging Connor Hellebuck for maybe a spot on the Olympic team in 2026 him. Thatcher Demko, uh, Jake Ottinger, the, just to name a few as well. So it definitely uh, be exciting a, a few years from now, of course. But uh, that the, it's 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 not gonna it's not gonna be easy. And of course, when they return against Detroit, Tampa Bay, Seattle again, uh, it's 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 gonna be tough. And we'll we'll have a better we'll have a better view as we get to our uh, I guess second benchmark of the of the year in. Uh, on on new year's day as uh, we see more of what this t team uh really is but david uh, i want to thank you so much once again for joining me on this edition of state of the cats here on the locked on florida panthers podcast uh, i see that the heat game is uh right right behind you hopefully uh they come out with a win i don't even i don't even know what the score is uh, of that one so look so oh man it's it's close and the third quarter is just ending so we're wrapping this up at a good time yeah you know, so we're wrapping it up popcorn and Get that fourth quarter going. Yep. Uh, make sure to listen to Locked On Heat with David Mill and Wes Goldberg, uh, of course, to uh, to uh, get their post-game wrap-up as well. Uh, so make sure to listen to that podcast as well. So, David, uh, thank you once again. And uh, plug your stuff while we're here. Oh, uh, dude, always a pleasure to come on. Uh, appreciate you giving me the invite. Glad we were able to get our schedules synced up. And, uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at David's Work for all my regular coverage of the Panthers. All my written work goes up on local10.com or on the Local 10 app. And uh, there's the Chirping the Cats podcast as well. So uh, lots of good places to find my work. Uh, and again, Armando, thank you for having me on, brother. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much, David. And uh, ho hope, to, hope to also see you soon in person. So thank you so much. Yeah, if not down here in Sunrise, maybe uh, the Panthers have a game up in Tampa. Maybe we'll both find our way over there in a couple weeks. A absolutely. Thank you so much, David. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast to be notified every single time the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Don't forget to also subscribe 
to all the shows on the Locked On NHL Network, including Locked On NHL, Locked On Fantasy Hockey with Flip Livingstone and Stu Roden, and Locked On NHL Prospects. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. And for your second listen of the day, make sure you listen to today's episode of Locked On Sports Today. Locked On Sports Today gives you a daily 20-minute or less podcast on the entirety of the sports scene with exclusive interviews and the take of the day. Locked On Sports Today on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. So I'm Armando Velez with David Dwork. And you've been listening to Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day.